Hello and welcome to the Body Track Academy, created by EPs for EPs. We'll cover all things clinical, business and personal growth to help you and the exercise physiology industry reach its potential. If you enjoyed this episode and find something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review and tell your friends to check it out. If you haven't already joined the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up, join our community of exercise physiologists and access more great content. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Body Track Podcast. My name's Tara, I'm your host today, and I'm joined by Gage. Say hi, Gage. Hello, everyone. So before we kick in and talk more about chronic pain today, I'm just going to, uh, I've got a few get-to-know-you questions for Gage. So uh, first up, any hidden talents or party tricks? Party tricks, it doesn't usually get that far because everyone's just interested in how my name's spelt or what it means. <laughs> yep. And uh, there's no real reason behind it. It's just because it's something different. No so, hidden meaning. No cultural significance. Right. And how do you spell it? G-A-G-E. Oh, beautiful. Okay. Uh, second question. Cats or dogs? Definitely dogs. Right. Dog Can't man. Deny, I'm a dog parent. Yeah. So I've got a, got a young child. He's uh, <laughs> two and a half years old. Um little cavoodle, and yeah. he's a good kid. <laughs> and what's his name? Uh, Archie. Beautiful. Uh, and final question, when you're not being an exercise physiologist, what can we find you doing? Um, definitely playing golf. So that's something I've started doing in the yeah. last year. It's very unforgiving, but I keep going back. <laughs> yeah. Um, other than that, going down the beach and just relaxing. Nice. How's the golf swing looking? Uh, yeah. Next question. <laughs> All right. Moving straight along. So uh, we're going to talk more about pain. Um, we've heard previously from Dan who talked about his approach and um, the framework he uses. How do you uh, – what's your approach to chronic pain? How do you explain it to clients? What's the framework? Um, so, yeah, building on from what Dan spoke about in the last episode, um, a few sort of professional developments that I've done have um, adapted a really great way to explain pain to clients and everything they do and – I think building on from what Dan said, it really boils down to a thorough subjective assessment, getting across a lot of items. Um, but I like to use the cup analogy, and I know this one gets thrown around quite a bit. I'm not sure if you've heard it before. No, I'm not familiar um, with the cup. What's okay, that? so basically you the client is a cup. So everything in their life, what they do, so um, their exercises, their pain, their stresses, that all needs to fit into their cup. So when I'm explaining pain to clients, I say that um, when your cup starts to overflow, when we're getting bits spilling out, that's when you're experiencing painful symptoms. So what we can either do is to manage their pain is we can make their cup bigger Mm -hmm. and we do that through exercise, of course, building their resiliency and their ability to complete what they need to complete. Yeah. Um, or either take some things out of those cup, that cup, and make it smaller so it's not overflowing. Okay. All right. So how do you uh, determine maybe what size someone's cup is to begin with? Is that a thing? Yeah, so that's a really good question. And um, that sort of feeds back into some of those subjective questions that we ask. So first of all, from the get-go, we need to see what's in that client's cup. And I like to 
explain to that, um, explain the cup analogy after I've done my subjective assessment. Right. Um, so we can sort of pick and pull apart things that we want to look at. So apart from, say, let's the clients come in with back pain mm. and we ask them, you know, this series of questions, what causes your back pain? Do you avoid this? What can you do? What can't you do? Um, and with most pre-exercise screening questionnaires, we like to take a holistic approach. So we need to be looking at factors such as their stress levels, asking them, you know, do you experience much stretch? How do you deal with your stress? Um, sleeping, smoking, physical activity, obesity, and alcohol. So these are some really good points, especially if we are taking a holistic approach, um, we can touch on and try to have some input and modify to paint that bigger picture. So um, things like we know obesity, it's an inflammatory disease. It's yeah. going to increase pain. We know alcohol can reduce the rate of healing and tissue healing and things like that. So if we're having a little bit of input in those factors, we can help with the bigger picture moving forward. Yeah. And is there an element of someone's like uh – like their average cup over time and also their cup in day-to-day or week-to-week? Yeah, definitely. I think it it can change from day-to-day levels, but I think um, we sort of explain to that client, I don't know, on that day Mm. maybe they've pulled up quite sore because they've spent three hours in the garden because they need to cut the hedge and then we can sort of say, okay, because your cup's not big enough, Mm. you've spent this amount of time, we've poured, you know, how much water in and that's overflowed. Yeah. Um, so I guess when you're talking to clients to determine sort of how big or small their cup is, uh, we don't need to look at it that way. It's very individualized and it's what they're able to do and how we can sort of modify um, the things around it to make them fit for themselves. Yeah. And I guess also if they had a particularly stressful week, mm-hmm. that's more more pouring in. And yeah. Like- yeah, exactly. And, and that's the thing, you know, explaining to clients that, progress isn't always linear as well Mm. it's not a straight line upwards we do have those little bumps um but making sure we educate the clients and saying that you know it's you can have flare-ups um but teaching them that it is normal and good ways to manage their flare-ups as well yeah and i think that analogy sort of makes sense to me in that even if we're using exercise and we're increasing the capacity of the cup there's still going to be different time points where you know, no matter how big it is, if you put too much in it, it's yep. still going to overflow and that's a good way to think rather than that linear progression. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely, and that, that comes over time as well. Um, and I think from there it's also probing about sort of what their beliefs are and their expectations from the first session. Mm. Um, a lot of the times we sort of get clients that say, okay, I've got arthritis, I'm, I'm never going to get better. My cartilage is worn away. I'm going to be in pain for the rest of my life. They've so, sort of surrendered to the pain already. Yeah, exactly. So um, what we want to do, and we can also, you know, make their cup bigger by educating them, mm. not just exercising them. So if we explain to that client, you know, um, although we can't reverse the effects of osteoarthritis, we can maintain your joint health, maintain your strength, and, hey, look, it has been shown to reduce pain and increase function to do what you want to do. and. Um, sometimes clients can be quite resilient to that and we need to sometimes be a little bit softer with our approach yeah. as well. Um, we don't want to have a client come in and just say, hey, you're wrong about this, you're wrong about this, you're wrong about this. We need to sort of work it into the session over time as well. Yeah, and such a big part of that is just that trust and rapport to yeah. Yeah. 
to believe someone that they've just met that's trying to dispel some of their myths about their own body is not always easy. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely over time. So uh, what sort of um, approaches in the long term, I guess, do you use? What's that framework for um, removing or reducing things that they're putting in the cup or increasing its capacity? Um, Yeah, that's a good question. Over time, um, like I said, with various PDs and experience, you can kind of cut people into two categories, um, especially with chronic pain. So in that we have the avoidance copa, and we have the endurance cobra as well. Um, All right, what's an avoider? An avoider. I have a feeling that maybe these, I'm an avoider. An avoider. <laughs> so um, I probably see these a little bit more than the latter. Yeah. Um, but the avoidance cobra is someone that is quite fearful of activity. Um, they will have low sort of self-efficacy. Um, they will avoid activities that they think are going to spark them up. They can be quite pessimistic as well, so they're not really going to, you know, be on board with moving. Um, And you can sort of pick that up through your subjective in what you're doing. So usually they'll have a lower level of physical activity. Um, And if you ask them, oh, like, do you feel comfortable picking something off the ground? And they'll say, no, like, I don't do that. I don't do that. I can't bend over. I can't do this. So they're pretty stern in what they can and can't do. So some real black and white. Very, yeah, it can be very black and white. Um, And that's the thing over time because they're avoiding so much activity, it gets in that vicious cycle that they're not reaping any sort of benefits because they think they need to protect. Yeah. All right. And then the the other type? The endurance copa. So... Um, a little bit more common, I would say, with your sort of more f- um, high-functioning client, mm-hmm. um, someone who's already maybe in that exercising world and doing a routine, but they're someone that will just take the pain, they'll run with it, they'll work through a little bit of, you know, no pain, no gain sort right. of status, and they sort of keep flaring themselves up, but they keep going back into the activity and they keep moving with what they're doing despite no change in pain levels. So they're maybe the client that you actually need to put the brakes on and pull back a bit? Yeah, 100%. So um, when we're approaching those clients, we have sort of different approaches for each. So for the endurance COPA, um, it comes down, again, your first point, education. So you're saying, look, sometimes you can do too much and sometimes you're feeding into that sensitive pattern because what we know about pain is that, you know, it's a response mm-hmm. and it doesn't always mean that we're in, we're being damaged, um, but it sort of senses danger. And over time, if a client's doing that repetitive activity, getting the same response, they're just going to think that is normal mm. um, and they're just going to keep pushing through that response as well. So we want to, look at what they're doing again come back to their holistic picture okay uh, for example he's a lower back pain client and he's running cycling gymming every day mm. 60 minutes rpe eight out of ten and he's working pretty hard so we need to say hey look this is what's painful let's start to taper it back and let's involve some rest periods because we do need your body to recover between sessions so we're not playing into this sensitive pattern yeah yeah 
Do you find, do you have a preference for the type? Do you find one is easier to make progress and work with than um, the other? Look, they both have their challenges. Um, I think it comes down to the individual. Um, it, it depends on their beliefs when yeah. you first go into the session, but I think probably a little bit harder with those avoidance copers, especially if they're coming to an exercise physiology clinic and they have a limited sort of exercise background and they are quite reluctant to get involved in any activity. So with those sort of clients, um, sometimes you need to take a softer approach um, and we call it graded exposure. So um, it could be as simple things as the client's, you know, bending over, they get a sore back when they bend over and pick something off the floor. We start to move into those patterns, but maybe, hey, here's a hip hinge pattern. It's going to decrease some of the lumbar stress on your back. Use your hamstrings and your glutes a little bit more and then slowly sort of feeding them in, getting them to more task-specific exercises. So what do they want to be able to do? Mm-hmm. Um, I think what Dan said last time, a real common one, is I want to pick my grandkids up. Yeah. Um, so... Making it task-specific, but also that graded exposure. So we want to encourage them to move. We want to make sure we're telling them that it is safe to move and the body is strong. It's resilient. It's going to adapt over time. So um, a lot of positive reinforcements to help build that self-efficacy as well. Yeah, yeah. So slower slower progress sometimes because you need that graded exposure. Yeah, definitely slower progress. and. It's not to say sort of your endurance copers are slow. Um, it all depends on the individual, but some good sort of things for those, if you're going to cut them back or maybe give them something like a substitute. So if they say that, okay, I get on the treadmill, the treadmill hurts my back, but I need to keep running for five kilometers. Mm-hmm. Um, a good tactic with those sort of clients is you can still keep high energy, but maybe find some exercises that are not provoking. Uh, maybe we pop him on the rower and he feels good on the rower, so we could say, okay, let's take out your run, let's put your row in, um, something that's not going to feed back into those negative patterns that they're experiencing. Yeah, yeah. And so going back to sort of say an initial assessment, uh, clearly the approaches to use for these two different types are going to be quite, quite different. Uh, any tips or other indicators? You sort of mentioned people who are, no, I can't do that and I can't do that. Um, any other tips for identifying which which type a client might fall into? Um, probably not overly. I think the biggest thing comes back to, like I said, that subjective assessment. So being as thorough as you can and a lot of the time you'll get a good idea. Like from if you ask the client why you're here, mm. you'll get a pretty good idea of where they're at and what they're doing um, depending on their sort of activity levels. Yep. So I find that's pretty pretty easy to pick from the get-go. So Yep. Uh, in terms of, like, results and motivation for the, uh, like you said, lots of positive reinforcement and um, task-specific, making it kind of meaningful for them, mm-hmm. um, would, like, is the, um, what's the other, endurance? Yep. Yeah. Are they more, um, like, driven by the physical results and seeing improvements in in their performance yeah i think in my experience yes um because like i said they're usually someone who's maybe a little bit more high active and that doesn't have to be exercise it could be someone that you know works in the yard or uh, a tradesman or something perhaps that just works through the pain um, Mm. on a day-to-day basis so sort of looking back and saying hey 
this exercise caused you pain and if we're making progress, are you still experiencing that pain? What mm. levels of pain? Is it painful all day? Um, so probably for those ones, yeah, looking back and referring to say, look, what did you get through without feeling it? Yeah. Um, yeah. A little bit more objective there. Yeah. Awesome. So for exercise physiologists that want to take this uh, concept, this framework and start applying it, any other tips or advice? Yeah, um, I think it's just a framework. There's a lot of different methods out there, um, but my final sort of say would be to treat everyone as an individual. Um, use the frameworks to guide what you're doing and draw knowledge from other areas to make your clinical decisions, uh, but don't sort of pigeonhole yourself too much with what you need to do with your exercise prescription and take time when you first meet a client to build a thorough foundation, set expectations and um, get across their beliefs that may potentially hinder or help you down the track. Yeah, absolutely. Great point. So another sort of tool that you can add to your toolkit, but not the only approach, not a one-size-fits-all. Definitely. Um, yeah, always individualised to, to what you see in front of you on any given day. So, Gage, thanks so much for coming in, having a chat about pain. Plenty more to talk about, uh, I'm sure. So we'll catch up with you again soon. All right. Thank you, Tara. Thanks for listening to the Body Track Academy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and found something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, and tell your friends to check it out. If you're not already in the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up. Join our community of exercise physiologists and access more great content.